We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Almost half of D.C.'s traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Welcome to another edition of the Budding Heads podcast from Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Barrow. As always, I'm here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, I'm particularly excited for this podcast because we get to lead with kickers. Kickers, Johnny. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're getting into the heart of the offseason when we're talking about kickers. Uh, I I am stoked to talk about these kickers. Uh, admittedly, haven't done a, a I haven't watched the tape of either of these guys yet, uh, but we got to, we're having a kicker battle in in the off season or in the preseason, uh, if there is a preseason. But I I am excited about that. Uh, so, anyways, today's show, uh, just Johnny and I today, we are gonna talk best and maybe worst draft picks from every one of the less need drafts. Uh, but before we get into that, we are going to touch on some of the moves the Rams made. But first, don't forget, like, subscribe, five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. If it's on Apple Podcasts, please, five-star review there. Leave it. Take a screenshot. You'll be entered to win a throwback Rams jersey or a new Rams jersey uh, whenever those come out. Just send a screenshot to any of us, Johnny, Derek, or I, wherever, uh, and we will know who entered. And, of course, check out our other show on the feed, Ramstock Radio with Derek and Michael Stewart and a couple other co-hosts I think he has from time to time. Uh, but anyways, you're not here to listen to his podcast. You're here to listen to ours. So, Johnny, let's start with, with this. Is I, I love this. I love that this is what we get to lead off with. The Rams signed two kickers. We signed from the XFL, Austin McGinnis. Uh, many considered him to be the best kicker in the XFL. He made all, all 10 of his field goal attempts. Uh, 
led the league in touchbacks with four. Uh, he also played in the AAF and kicked at Kentucky. We also signed. Do you have any idea how to pronounce this guy's name? I have not a clue, and I'm I'm really interested to see how you pronounce it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Liram Hajrulahu. Harulahu. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed Hajrulahu? it. I'm sure you got it 100%. I, I have no clue. Uh, guy has a crazy story. He's been he's 30 years old, been in the, the CFL for a while, the Canadian Football League. Uh, well-respected kicker in the CFL, made 83.3% of his kicks. Uh, he was very efficient from over 50 yards, which is good for us, considering the guy he could potentially be replacing had a big leg. Johnny, do you do you know like what what did the CFL field goals look like? Are they the same? Uh, it, it's a little bit different. Like the, uh, I I'm not exactly a hundred percent sure on like what's the complete difference, but I know that from the looks of it, looks a, a little bit different than normal NFL. Um, but I think we can all agree that you know transitioning from the CFL to the NFL will be a bit of an adjustment but considering how accurate he was in the CFL who knows maybe it won't be that big of a an adjustment is 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 the post is it still at the at like the top of the end zone instead of the back uh or did uh, they change that it looks I like think- it's still the same yeah, I think that there's still kind of in the top. Yeah, but but look, like you're still kicking. Uh like it's it's still kicking. Uh and I know the CFL field is a little wider, uh but that I don't think that really affects him. I think it's the fact that the field goal post is at the front. Uh but but uh like 50 like we're talking about 50 yarders for this guy. And look, I am not a CFL expert by any means, but like a 50-yard kick in the CFL is probably, because it's at the front of the, the end zone, like from literally midfield, right? Like, because a 50-yarder in the NFL isn't at midfield because you take the extra 10 yards from the end zone. Yeah, I believe you're right there. And I, I think it it's going to be a little bit different because you have to put a little more oomph into the kick. So... They'll definitely have to practice a lot in order for that to be a little more accurate there. But I think overall the the same principles apply and uh, should be fine. Right. God, this conversation is right up my wheelhouse. <laughs> uh, look, man, I – to replace Greg Zerline, like think about who we're talking about. Greg Zerline is a guy from – a. It was either D2 or D3 school in Mississippi. I mean, who knows if they even find this guy if he uh, he played for Missouri Western. So, like, who knows you were if very close there. What'd you say? <laughs> you were very close there. I, I, yeah, I knew this because, like, I think the Rams only knew of him because he played in Missouri, uh, which obviously he got drafted in 2012. The team played in Missouri. That might not be the only reason they knew about him, but I think that helped. And this was a, a relatively obscure school. Big boot. Played great for us. I love that they went out to, I would assume, the second and third best football leagues in the world at this point. Uh, the now gone XFL, sadly. But they took the best kicker from the second best league in the world which is the CFL. I'm going to assume they had better players in the XFL and the third best league in the XFL. I love it, man. This, this is the kind of kicking competition that I want to see. I mean, all the kickers that are free agents right now, they're free agents for a reason. Kickers don't usually hit the market that often. If they do, they get gobbled up pretty quickly. So, uh, like would it have been cool to get Steven Gotzkowski? Sure. But you can't always get what you want, and I I have faith one of these guys is going to pan out. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think having these two make it into a competition should make it that much more interesting, and especially from that angle 
you know, between the battle of CFL and XFL, uh, well, technically XFL slash AAF. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. He played in both. Yeah, he did. And he did well in both of them too. So, I, you know, either one of these guys I think will, will do very well. I don't know if you could say he, he's going to be better than Greg Zerloin. We don't know that. Uh, could be that he, you know, either one of these guys ends up being, not as good, but it could be maybe that he's better. Maybe he's more accurate. It's hard to say at this point, um, but it makes for an interesting camp battle. And, you know, uh, during training camp, especially, there's not a lot to be excited about because it's kind of like the prelude to the season. So you, you're just anxious for the season to begin. So at least there'll be actual battles. Uh, and this will be one to watch out for, I think. I, I, this is what I'm going to – well, we'll see how the draft plays out, but move over offensive line. This is what I'm looking forward to now. Uh, and I think uh, I'm just going to call him Mr. H, Mr. CFL. Uh, <laughs> with, <laughs> with McGinnis, you're, you're, you're going to be a little concerned because he has – doesn't have big game experience, which to be fair, neither did Greg Zerline. Uh, when you're taking those game-winning kicks, it's a lot of pressure. The crowds can get loud. Uh, the nerves settle in. CFL is not a league to scoff at. Like I would say, in comparison to another sport, it's basically like the MLS, where it's not the premier soccer league in the world. Like obviously, not at all. But it's also like nothing like to scoff at. Like fans still go to these games. People still watch these games. The players in these games are still competent players. Uh, there, there's a lot of guys that have played and been successful in the CFL that you would you would recognize their name from being good in college. So it's not no, it's not the NFL. But he 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 made the game winning field goal in the Grey Cup, which is their championship game a couple years ago. So Scott's got big game experience, and it, we'll see if he could carry it over to the NFL. But uh, it's it's an inspired move to bring in both of these guys. And when you're talking about an expired, inspired move at kicker, I fucking love it, dude. I'm all in. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think to, to be upset with this move, I, I think you're just being a Debbie Downer at this point. You know, this is – wait, did Derek enter the – did Derek enter the chat? A Derek Downer. A Derek the Downer. There, there, oh, I love it. Derek <laughs> Downer. Okay. <laughs> oh boy, man. I, I gotta I'm definitely gonna tell him about that when we <laughs> next time I talk to him. <laughs> um but yeah, there's no need to be a Derek Downer on this. It, it's it's an experiment for sure. We don't know if it's gonna work or not. But the point is, you know, there's no there was really no other kicker out there other than maybe um, you know, Gostowski, that's really it. And even then, would the Rams even have enough cap space to sign a guy like that? I don't really think so. And it's not like he's in his the prime of his career either. So um, it's worth a shot. If nothing else, there's always next year to look for another kicker. Right. Yeah, and you bring in two guys, so hopefully you like one of them. And a benefit of that, too, is you get both guys in the system. If the guy that doesn't – like the guy that loses the battle, if he doesn't work out, then – or if the guy that wins the battle, I'd say, doesn't work out, you can bring back the other guy uh, if you like both of them. Maybe you keep one of them on the practice squad. And we we had Sam Ficken on the practice squad, right? No. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So it's it's not a – if you think both guys have promise and you just like one slightly more, yeah, he practice squad the other guy. What's it going to hurt? Uh, yeah, <laughs> love ten minutes of kicker talk. Love it. What a what a way to start my evening. This this is this is great. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I think we could we could circle back to Brandon Cooks at the end of the podcast because it's older news at this point. Uh, and Derek, I'm sure talked about it at length. So let, let's let's hit all these drafts and we'll, we'll start from the top. We'll start with 2012. We don't need to spend a ton of time on any of these, but I guess maybe we go with the best and worst picks from these drafts. 2012 
pick 14, Michael Brockers in the first round, second round. They had three picks. They took Brian Quick, Janoris Jenkins, and Isaiah Pede. Third round, they took Tremaine Johnson. Other notable picks from this draft. Chris Gibbons at 96 in the fourth round. Greg Zerline at 171 in the sixth round. Daryl Richardson, 252 in the seventh round. Uh, uh, not a pick we're going to spend time on, but a, a good pick. Um, so who do, what do you think is the best pick from this draft? Because this, this is the like the quintessential less need draft based on how many great picks he made and how many bad picks he made. It's, uh, you know, there's a couple to choose from there, but ultimately I, I think you'd have to go with Michael Brockers. It's it's a no-brainer. He, in, in my opinion, is one of the most unsung heroes on the team. That's still on the team, by the way. And he, he was clearly a prize-free agent. Um, you know, the Ravens liked him for a little while. And, uh, you know just because of a ankle injury or potential ankle injury, he's back with the Rams. So this, this is a guy you, you have to, you, you, you definitely have to give credit for. He's still a very valuable player. And there, there's a couple others to choose from there, but personally, I, I got to go with Brockers. Um, what are you thinking? I, I, I honestly, I, I don't agree. Like Whoa. at all, like at all, to be honest. Uh, not that it's a bad pick, uh, but we're talking about Michael Brockers at fourteen. I think the only reason people would pick him is because he's still on the team. Which look, it's fine. It's not like, like I, I'm not gonna like passionately argue against him. I love the dude, but I think I think I think it's got to be Greg Zerline number one. You you took him in the sixth round and. For the majority of his time here, he had his ups and downs, but for the majority of the time, you'd say he's a top 10 kicker. Uh, and you had him for, what's that, eight, seven, eight seasons? I think that's number one. And honestly, I think the Tremaine Johnson pick was better too. You look at where they got Tremaine at 65. Uh, he's worse today than Michael Brockers, but I think he <laughs> was a. <laughs> uh, that's for sure. For sure, yeah. <laughs> And he, and he got his way more overpaid on this contract too. But when he was here, and he was here for a couple of years, uh, I think it was here for five years, maybe six, a very good cornerback. You got him at a great value. He was – I think he was better when he was here than Michael Brockers was. And I – with draft picks, I, I think like – I don't think you should be basing who's the best pass draft pick based on – like what they're doing on their third contract because they're still here. You know, I think it's really the, I, I don't know. I think it's who, you, who was a better player and had a better value. And I think at six, I'd rather have 60, Tremaine Johnson at 65 than Michael Braggs at 14. Tremaine Johnson is not the 65 fifth best player in this draft. He's well above it. And Michael Brockers probably isn't a top 15 player in this draft. If we're going to go based off value in terms of where it was selected, you might have a point about Tremaine Johnson. But in terms of the overall use, I'd have to still give it to Brockers just because Brockers is that guy that has that selfless role. He, he's not going to give you those big numbers like an Aaron Donald would. But we kind of knew this you know, when he got drafted. That was one of the biggest emphasis about his game is him being a selfless player. And as far as Tremaine Johnson is concerned, yeah, he gave he gave some solid seasons, and uh, there was a time where I wanted the Rams to keep him. Uh, within reason, I didn't want him to give that big uh, big contract that the Jets gave him, and I'm glad that they didn't. But um, ultimately, too, you have to look at how they fared in terms of you know their second and third contracts. Uh, looking at Tremaine Johnson, obviously this contract with the Jets hasn't been favorable in New York. But with Brockers, he might be a little bit o overpaid. And to tell you the truth, uh, once the final contract, um, you know, the final contract specifications were released, it still isn't that bad of a contract. It's right. not, but he was a little overpaid on his last contract too. Not like heavily overpaid, but I don't think no. he performed up to it. Uh, not, not, uh, not 
it wasn't a steal. I'll, I'll give you that much. Yeah. But it certainly wasn't an overpay like it was for Tremaine Johnson. No. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Look, I and I. I don't think either is a bad choice, but I. I would have him third, slightly ahead of my boy Janoris Jenkins. Uh. I. I don't think like for most of these we don't need to spend a ton of time on the worst picks, but I just have to mention this every time we talk about this draft. We took Brian Quick. A project receiver out of Appalachian State when we desperately needed weapons over Alshon Jeffrey. A finished product, not finished product, but a pretty proven commodity out of South Carolina. And I will never let them live that down. Yeah, there was quite a few receivers that they took. uh, Brian Quick, he was, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, Brian Quick was the first receiver taken in the 2012 NFL draft. No, but he I, was uh, he was the first pick of the second round. Wow! Listen to the receivers in this draft because it's not good. Michael Floyd, or sorry, Justin Blackman, who I want. That's who I wanted the Rams to pick at the time, uh, but they traded yeah. back and took Brockers. Uh, Justin Blackman, Michael Floyd who, if he was there, he got picked right before Brockers. That could have potentially been the pick. Uh, And Michael Floyd wasn't that bad. Uh, Kendall Wright, A.J. Jenkins, Brian Quick, Stephen Hill, Alshon Jeffrey. (laughs) Like, you could argue that Brian Quick is better than half of those players in the NFL, which is unbelievable. And, And the Jets, 10 picks later, take Stephen Hill right before Alshon Jeffrey, so... They somehow fucked it up worse than we did. Because <laughs> Quick was better than him. Quick Quick wasn't good, but, like, he at least had a moment. It was brief. He, he had he a had few it. moments here and there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was a bad receiver draft. Ruben Randall, Debbie oh, Posey, TJ Graham. Like, wow. Muhammad Sanu at the end of the third round. T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, it's... And then we took Chris Gibbons. Uh, I mean, outside of the Brian Quick and Isaiah P drafts, like the guys that got late, they got Chris Gibbons, Greg Zerline, and Daryl Richardson. Gibbons, uh, Gibbons was decent for a couple of years. I mean, he had a better career than Quick. Uh, and <laughs> Richardson was good for a year. So, like, not a bad drafter's need. No, not at all. I mean, you're not going to hit on every draft pick, obviously, but um... – for the most part, they they had a they had a pretty solid draft, and uh, you know if you're arguing what, which uh, which player was your top player in that that year, you're obviously doing something right. Right. At 2013, we traded up to take Tavon Austin at eight. Then we oh, took <laughs> Alec Ogletree at 30. T.J. McDonald. We didn't have a second round pick. T.J. McDonald at 71. Seven Bailey at 92. Those were two thirds. Barrett Jones at 113, fourth round, which we all loved. Every Rams fan loved that pick at the time. Uh, yep. and I, yeah, and that just that that is just a reason why you have to take all like draft talk with a grain of salt because we thought that was a home run, and there's no way we were alone. And that just he was he was nothing. Uh, and then Zach Stacy at the end of the fifth. I'd like Daryl Richardson had a moment, but I I think it's and Seven Bailey could have been in this conversation if unfortunately he literally got shot, which sucks. But he's he's yep. doing well as a person, so that's good. Um, it's pretty clearly between Alec Ogletree and T.J. McDonald, when like when you factor in value. But I think it's pretty clearly Alec Ogletree. Yeah, no questions asked there. Alec Ogletree. I think, well, to begin with, a lot of people were surprised to see Alec Ogletree drop to number 30. Uh, I remember I was I was ecstatic when the Rams ended up with him at, at pick 30. So um, that already was, was great news. And then he developed into a stud. Unfortunately for, for him and the Rams, you know, they ended up going to a new defensive scheme with Wade Phillips, so he didn't exactly fit in. But through most of his career with the Rams, he did a solid job. So um, clearly he was the best one there. And 
yeah, you could sort of make an argument for TJ McDonald. He, he had a, you know, a couple good years with the Rams, but uh, I think Ogletree uh, is, a, is a bit better. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and he was a better player when he was here. I think similar to Brockers, like, he wasn't like a home run pick, but it was a good pick, and he did more good than he did bad here. I know he's he's a little polarizing of a player. It didn't end great here. He got a huge contract. But, yeah, it, it was a fine pick. And when you have two first-round picks, that's what you want. Obviously, we, we moved up to get Tavon Austin, which is funny. Like, the player – do you know? Do you remember who Buffalo – drafted when they traded back um not not sure i forget ej manual i'm looking at the draft i don't remember this ej manual so (laughs) i think you could safely say this didn't work out for either team (laughs) but it's funny like i think at the time i don't it wasn't as universal as like how much we love barrett jones but i like the pick Tavon, I thought he was a good weapon to put with Bradford. In hindsight, like, yeah, we traded up to draft a guy who's my size with the eighth pick that played running back in college. Like, <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, I, I remember I, you know, I was, I was a little bit jazzed about Tavon Austin just because the Rams were desperate need for wide receivers at the time. And uh, so Tavon, you know, I, I, I was kind of excited just to see we can finally get some sort of weapons out of this. But I remember everyone was singing the praise of him and Stedman Bailey. And I, you know, when, when I saw Stedman Bailey and I'm like, we have two really small guys at wide receiver. This, they could potentially be good but uh yeah i i was really i i really had a like a question mark i remember even discussing this with Derek, and uh he was a little more excited about it than i was but he had his had um a few reservations on that as well uh i did not think that tavon austin was worth moving up to number eight for him but yeah that's yeah, it's easy to say in re- retrospect, but still, even then, I, I question moving up so high to get him. I know there was other teams that were allegedly gunning for him, but I just, yeah, it, it, it just made no sense whatsoever. Hey, I'm going to rub salt in everyone's wound here. Uh, but before I do, we we talked about Tavon on that all-decade podcast we did, which, if you want to go back, I thought it was a good pod. Uh I think he's become a little underrated because he actually, like, wasn't that bad here at a lot of things. And when he had the ball in open space, he was as lethal as anybody. But obviously not worth the eighth pick, not worth that extension we gave him. The next receiver off the board in this draft, this was at eight. A receiver didn't go till 27. So we could have gotten a guy at 16. The next receiver off the board, Johnny, was DeAndre Hopkins. Uh. And if you didn't want to take him, two picks later, Cordero Patterson, who's basically just taller Tavon Austin, went at 29 to the Vikings. Uh, I'm okay with Tavon Austin instead of Patterson. (laughs) Uh, I wouldn't have traded up for him still. But um, the DeAndre Hopkins one, just it it kills me, man. Oh, man. That would have been awesome to have. Yeah. Yeah, that's rough. Uh, the next two receivers off the board, Justin Hunter, and then Robert Woods. So we co- we come full circle here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was nuts. Uh, yeah, th- we didn't have a ton of picks in this draft outside of the two first rounders. So we kind of hit all twenty fourteen. Uh, another very less need draft. <laughs> we don't need to talk about the worst pick because we took Greg Robinson at two. Uh, then. Really? 13, Aaron Donald. So I don't even need to talk about the best pick. Uh, that's his, that's the best pick of the decade by far. Not a pick we need necessarily needed at the time, but an absolute home run, obviously. Uh, the rest of this draft was hit and miss. LaMarcus Joyner at 41, Trey Mason at 75, Maurice Alexander at 110. We didn't have a fifth-round pick. And then in the sixth round, we took 
EJ Gaines, and then literally five. We had five swings at the end of the sixth and the seventh rounds, and we took Garrett Gilbert, Mitchell Van Dyke, Christian Bryant, Michael Sam, and Demetrius Rainey. So literally none of those guys gave us anything uh, except Michael Sam, who gave us some headlines uh, and a a a landmark draft pick, uh, even though he wasn't good, uh, but. It's Donald is the best. Greg Robinson is the worst. Uh, I'm not even going to name the players that went in between Greg Robinson and Aaron Donald. I mean, should I? Yeah, go for it. Uh, This is great. So the only player off the board was Javion Clowney. We took Greg Robinson. I mean, look, at the time, not a bad pick. Uh, I I don't think this was a criticized pick. He was the top lineman in the draft. The next pick is Blake Bortles. Obviously, when, who came, who played for the Rams? The next pick after that, Sammy Watkins, who also played for the Rams. And then this is where it gets fun. Khalil Mack, Jake Matthews, Mike Evans, Justin Gilbert, the only player in this line of picks that didn't make a Pro Bowl, by the way. Anthony Barr, Eric Ebron, Taylor Luan, Odell Beckham, and then Aaron Donald. Then after Aaron Donald, Kyle Fuller, Ryan Chazier, Zach Martin, CJ Mosley. So... Probably the most loaded draft since, or of the decade, I'd say this is pretty clearly the best draft. I mean, we just named like 10 of the best players in the NFL. Uh, 10 might be a stretch, but I mean, Khalil Mack, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, Anthony Barr, Aaron Donald, even even Jake Matthews. Those guys are high-end players. And we took fucking Greg Robinson. It still stings. (laughs) Yeah, I... uh... Oh man, I I remember that we needed offensive line, especially a left tackle, so badly that the Rams were even willing to go after what was essentially a project left tackle with the number two overall selection, and uh, it did not work in the Rams' favor at all. It, it backfired quite quite a bit. No, yeah, uh, I mean. Even if we took, like, fucking Sammy Watkins there, dude. Like, that that would have helped. That would have helped. I, he's, he's not a bad player. We traded it for him. So, uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, you take Khalil Mack there, man. I mean, you end up with Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald. Like, Jesus. Uh, but the good news is, like, if, they're, if they drafted Khalil Mack, at that pick, there is a chance, Johnny, that Jeff Fisher is still our coach. Oof. I don't know how likely it is, but it like a pick like that would have changed the course of the team so much, made them so much better that he could still be the coach. Now he didn't. Granted, he didn't fit our system at all, but he would have made it work. Um. I mean, this is 2014. Chris Long was on the team for two more years. He probably probably would have been expedited if Khalil Mack was on the team. But, yeah, that would have changed the course of this franchise. Um, Other notable picks. Joyner was a good pick. Trey Mason, uh, he kind of got the shit into the stick from the the next draft we'll talk about. Mel Alexander and EJ Gaines were both pretty solid picks. Alexander randomly just fell off a cliff during that 2017 season. But, I mean, for where they drafted, fine picks. Uh, 2015, Todd Gurley at 10. I think pretty clearly the best pick here. Yep. (laughs) I'm already laughing. I'm looking at this list. Uh, You know what's coming. 2015, you you know who's coming. Rob Rob Havenstein at 57. Look, I will say. And then Jamon Brown at, at 72. A very solid start to this draft. Uh, we, I think we let. I don't know why we released Jamon Brown when we did, but still starting in the NFL, good player. Havenstein, obviously unproductive last year, but been a home run at that price we got him at. And then eighty nine, we took Sean Mannion, my boy. Oh boy. Uh, uh, Andrew. Donnell in the fourth round throwaway pick, and then I guess the only notable late round pick was well, Cody Wickman started for like a day, didn't he? Yeah, let's not bring back those memories. <laughs> and then uh, 
Bryce Hager, who I got to say at 224 was a good pick considering he's been a good special teamer for us and a yeah. okay linebacker for us briefly last year. Yeah, without a question. I mean, if you could find any sort of, you know, any sort of contribution in the seventh round, you've already won, in my opinion. Right. Just right. because you, they can't all be gold. The, yeah, lit, literally any type of production. Like Daryl Richardson in the seventh round, he was okay for a year. That's a good pick. This is fucking yeah. seventh round. Half those guys don't make teams. Yeah, without a question. Um, I mean, even, even going up the list here, Bud Sasser in the sixth round, pick 201. Do you even remember Bud Sasser? <laughs> no, I honestly don't. And I think the only reason why some Ram fans, you know, who are St. Louis Ram fans might remember is because he came out of Mizzou. And that's literally probably the only reason. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, and that's in the sixth round. Uh, so, yeah, it's the draft is in all sports is an absolute crapshoot. I mean, outside of those top couple guys, I mean, in the NFL, it's like, past the first round it's it's really a crapshoot and even like there's only a handful of guys in the first round where like you know they're a sure thing and sometimes even those don't work out the Sixers drafted a guy at number one who forgot how to fucking shoot like (laughs) all all drafts are a crapshoot uh but yeah all things considered in this draft they did really well they drafted three starters two of them longtime starters uh one of them practically a fucking mvp and then they they threw away a, a third round pick basically with Shaw Mannion. But look, man, it's you see a guy you, you don't know how quarterback's gonna turn out turn out. Uh you know what really sucks is Daniel Hunter went the pick before Shaw Mannion. Uh that would he'd be nice to have. Yeah. But uh, but look, you pick a guy you think he has a chance of working out and then you take a quarterback number one the next year. He doesn't get to play. It's it's not a huge deal. Uh, so twenty sixteen, number one, Jared Goff, one ten, Tyler Higby, one seventeen, Farrell Cooper. Pretty solid start to the draft. Uh, all three of those guys contributed. Cooper made an All Pro team, and then late rounds, like like look, Tamara Hemingway, Josh Forrest, those guys never gave us anything. And then Mike Thomas at 206, not a bad pick. Uh, he was on the team for forever. He's finally gone. But, uh, but Johnny, I'm, I'm going to give a, a scorcher here. I think Tyler Higby might be the best pick in this draft. Because hear me out. Okay. If you redid this draft today, and you're still taking a quarterback at number one. Are you taking Jared Goff or are you taking Carson Wentz? Do I do I still have the knowledge of Carson Wentz injury history? Yeah, yeah, you do. Because I don't give Ooh. a fuck about the injury history. I'd rather have Carson Wentz today. Like, and this is not uh, pretty easily. And I'm fine with Goff as a quarterback, but. Uh, I don't really think it's that much of a decision. The injury history is concerning, but one of these guys played pretty bad for most of last year, and one of them, you're worried about him getting hurt. Who's also not perfect, but that's pretty clearly been the better player when he's on the field, which is also a factor. You you know, the funny thing is, I I feel like Steve and I are kind of switching roles here because... Uh, during this draft, Steve was a pro Jared Goff fan. I was, and, I was, and I was a pro Carson Wentz fan. And now I feel like I'm defending Jared Goff more than I would uh, Carson Wentz. And the only reason is because technically, I still believe that Carson Wentz is more talented. But you're only as talented if you're on the field. And Carson Wentz, you never know if this guy's gonna play or not. He's like. He's almost as bad. Okay, no, maybe not that bad, but he's like a Sam Bradford in a way. Well, look, he played every game last year, so uh, and he, he, I think he he came alive at the end of the season. Uh, he's, 
I, I, and this is, look, I'm not saying I don't like Jared Goff. I just think Carson Wentz is the player. But here's the real, the real thing about this is that there's a pretty good chance that Jared Goff might be the third best quarterback in this draft class. Let's see, who is, who is the other quarterback? <laughs> he went in the fourth round. Is this Russell Wilson? No, Dak Prescott. Oh, God, Dak. Oh, oh. I think he went in the fourth round. I don't know. Uh, look, man, it, it's, I'm factoring, and it might not be fair, but I'm also factoring that they pay, they traded up for him. Uh, and look, I'm fine with him, but you look at the other. I mean, here here is like a perfect example of what I'm talking about. The next couple picks, Joey Bosa, Ezekiel Elliott, Jalen Ramsey. So, like, I mean, those are pretty much like three top three players to their position. We took a quarterback and we didn't even take the best one. Uh, not that it's not a bad pick. I defend the move. I think it was fine. But look, if Tyler Higby plays like he even remotely like he did at the end of last season, you get that guy in the fourth round. That's a home run. Uh, it's taken a while to develop, but tight ends are slow to develop. I was as big of a Tyler Higby pessimist as everyone. I'm now a member of the church. And I think that was the best pick here because you trade up to get a quarterback and you don't get the number one guy. Yeah, I I can see your argument here. And I think I would agree with you if Tyler Higby stepped up his production maybe even a year ago. We're still basically just seeing half a year of quality here. Uh, Keep in mind that Tyler Higby, while he wasn't bad in the first half of uh, of 2019 he he still wasn't you know nearly as good as he was at the latter half so really we've only had a half a year of awesome production which is great for a fourth round pick and you're right in terms of value that's sweet you know you you want you want to see that in a fourth rounder and if you can get that all the time that's great but Jared Goff you can say that Jared Goff helped the Rams to get to the Super Bowl. Didn't win the Super Bowl, but he helped get the Rams to the Super Bowl. And you can't necessarily say that for Tyler Higby. So for that reason, I got to give it to Jared Goff. But in terms of value, I can I can certainly understand why you would s- say uh, Tyler Higby. Yeah. And th- look, this might be a bad take. Uh, listeners, you guys can let me know if this is a bad take. At Steve Barrow, I'm open. Uh, and Johnny also, just in the spirit of being honest, my take for this draft was I kind of hate that we're training up for a quarterback this year because the guys at the top of the previous draft were better. And the guys at the top of the previous draft were Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. So that that take is aged like milk. Uh, I, I'm not proud of that one, but I definitely believe that at the time. I also looked to see if Tyler Higby was the best tight end in this draft Hunter Henry and Austin Hooper in this draft too so a fairly deep tight end draft yeah that's uh that's good company to have there yeah uh well moving on to talk about tight ends because in the next year we address the position even further hey (laughs) Gerald Everett uh at 44 right before uh Adam Shaheen at 45 I no. uh they were the third and fourth tight ends off the board. O.J. Howard, Evan Ingram, oh, and David Njoku went before them, so fourth and fifth. Not bad. Yeah, damn. Uh, I mean, we'll see on Njoku, but I guess we'll see on O.J. Howard, too, after last year. But uh, Everett at 44, Cooper Cup at 69, John Johnson at 91, Josh Reynolds at 117, Samson Ibu came at 125. I mean, damn. That ain't, that ain't bad. Tanzel Smart, 189, two guys in the 6th and 7th that contributed nothing. So, again, Michael Thomas ended up being a good pick. This is is an interesting question of who's the best pick in this draft because it's a question the Rams might have decided themselves when they're handing out contract extensions. Is it Cooper Cup or is it John Johnson? Ooh, that that is tough. And uh, the the funny thing is if you were to ask me, uh, who I'd want to keep, I'd say both. You know, these are really, really talented guys. And the Cooks I, trade, I, the Cooks trade certainly makes it more of a possibility that that could happen. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and but if I had to pick one of these guys, I, I'd have to go with Cooper Cup just because of his chemistry with Jared Goff. There's no denying his impact that he's had last year and it was obvious that you've seen in in the playoffs and even during uh the Super Bowl in 2018 when uh you know Cooper Cup was missing it, it, it's like Jared Goff lost a part of himself because he he was just awful in, during the Super Bowl and um you know had Cooper Cup been there it might have been a different story don't know for certain but that's a possibility John Johnson is a very talented safety, and I I think when healthy, this guy is is going to be a huge impact player. It's just you know again the injury factor, and I think had he played the entire season last year, it, it'd be a closer competition. But for now, I, I'd have to say Cooper Cup. I I agree with you. I don't really have a ton to add. I would say the counterpoint is that. When Cooper Cup got hurt, the Rams went to the Super Bowl, and when John Johnson got hurt, we didn't make the playoffs. No, just, there's that. I, it's my counter. It's a very bad counter because there's a <laughs> lot of factors into that. But uh, yeah, I think it's Cup. I honestly, I think they're both on the team in 2021 because I think one will get extended and one will get franchised. Uh, in addition to Ramsey getting getting extended, because I. We we ate some cap on on Cooks, but I think depending on how they they do the money, we'll eat the majority of it this year. And I hope that's the way they do it, so we could open up things for next year. I feel like that's really the whole purpose of of getting rid of him. Yeah, for sure. The you know the interesting thing looking in this this draft. In round six, the Rams took Sam Rogers, a fullback from Virginia Tech. <laughs> I forgot about that. I forgot we and we took Sam Rogers, and we have never used a fullback in the three years Sean McVay has been here. Not once, and I, I remembered seeing like um, seeing like some coverage on him, saying he'd be the next Brian Leonard. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> Do you remember Brian Leonard? Dude, well, the difference is Brian Leonard was a second round pick. Uh, and <laughs> the even worse truth is because uh, I think it was Seattle Rams on Twitter was tweeting out com- comparing the next draft class we had to uh, some of the worst draft classes we've had. So I we, we had a GM who I'd love to get on the pod in – I think he was only here before 2006 and 2007 and maybe 2008. But from 2006 to 2007, the best player he drafted was Adam Carricker, who was not Ooh. good. Brian Leonard might have been the second best player he drafted. Uh, Brian Leonard, I did not think he was that bad, but we took him in the fucking second round. We took a fullback. <laughs> like. <laughs> He actually had an okay career, but not for where we drafted him. Man, uh, looking back at some of these draft picks, oh, man, sh- shivers. Yeah, I- I'll read that draft at the end of the pod because it's, it's insane. Um, but this, all things considered, we come in without a first-round pick. It's Sean McVay's first draft. This was a great draft. Uh, Gerald Everett was not a home run at 44, uh, for sure. But you get Cup, you get Johnson, uh, you get Reynolds wasn't the best pick, but he's he's been very valuable. And Ebukam in the fourth has has a has aged nicely as well. I mean, you look at the guys who went after Everett: Adam Shaheen, Quincy Wilson, Tyus Bowser, I mean Joe Mixon, Ryan Anderson, Justin Evans. Demarcus Walker, Deshaun Kaiser, Tease Tober. It could have been worse, you know. Not outside of Mixon, none of these guys are really jumping off the page for me. No, not really. Uh, and, and Mixon, we we would have never taken him here. Uh, and there's no, there's a really. whole other mess of reasons why we wouldn't have, besides the fact that we had Todd Gurley. But it's fun to go from that draft to the worst draft. I think fairly easily, at least today. Of, Lesney's era 2018 
Now, we didn't have a first-round pick. We didn't have a second-round pick. Uh, we traded the second-round pick for... Did Was that what we traded for Sammy Watkins? Yeah, it was, right? Yeah, I believe so. We traded right, because we got him in, like, August. Uh, and the first-rounder, we traded for Brandon Cooks. So this is who we got. Joe Noteboom in the third. Brian Allen and John Franklin Myers in the fourth. Micah Kaiser and Obo Okorwankro in the fifth. John Kelly, Jamil Demby, Sebastian Joseph Day, Trayvon Young in the sixth. Trayvon Howard and Justin Lawler in the seventh. So <laughs> the best pick is clearly Sebastian Joseph Day, which is one of the silliest things I've ever said, uh, if you told me that two years ago. Like, it's not even close. Not a single player in the first of their first seven picks in this draft really contributed positively. I mean, John Franklin Myers was okay, but we cut him after a year. Like, I guess he had positive contributions, but Joe Noteboom, Brian Allen, Jamil Demby, they all had contributions. None of them were positive. (laughs) (laughs) Sebastian Joseph Day at 195 is a great pick. Uh, I don't, I wonder what his role is going to be next year because with Brockers coming back, uh, Robinson coming in, it got a little crowded, but. God, they really dropped the ball. And we'll see. The jury's not out on any of these guys. Uh, Micah Kaiser and Oboe might actually get chances to contribute this year. Hell, Joe Nopu might get a chance to contribute this year. Uh, fuck, fuck if I know. John Kelly might be on the roster. Uh, but, I mean, Christ, man, none of these. We talked about a lot of these third, fourth, fifth round picks uh, in the previous drafts that have provided something. And really, none of these guys are. The second best pick we had in this draft isn't even on the team. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, I remember everyone being so high on Joe Noteboom. And uh, and you weren't. I will give you a props there. And I don't. I think he could still contribute. I think there's a chance he starts at guard this season, depending on what happens in the draft. But you've never been high on this guy. No, and, and to tell you the truth, one of the things that, that really frightened me was when people were wanting him to be our left tackle. And I'm like, this this guy is not a left tackle. You know, I, I hope that maybe he translates into something else. You know, I, I know that it's kind of unfair to assess his career so far since last year was really the only chance he had to start and he really didn't play a full season. So we'll see. Um, but I, I do think if anything – if he is a starter at any capability, I would say it would have to be at guard, preferably right guard. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, Ed, Edwards played well at both, so they they can move him around, and he probably I, I don't know where he'd be better. But that's that's top for another podcast. But I mean, look, Tempe. Tempe. Uh, <laughs> I, I man, I'm done criticizing Jabil Dembe. I. I feel kind of bad. I laid it on thick about him. Uh, oh, but, man, you were brutal. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, look, if he's the ninth <laughs> the ninth lineman on the roster, I'll keep him on the team, sure. Uh, but he was the first guy off the bench. Uh, he, he was not suited to it. None of these guys were suited to their roles last year. Uh, but we'll see. Look, Micah Kaiser and Oboe, I'm not out on either of those guys yet. We'll see. Like, there's definitely a chance nothing's there, but – Shit, we'll see what happens, man. It's not over. Um, and then last year's draft, which I don't, I think it's silly to spend a ton of time breaking this down. But Taylor Rapp, Daryl Henderson, David Long, Bobby Evans, Greg Gaines. I didn't say the rounds. We didn't have a, or we had a first round pick. We traded back a bunch of times to get Taylor Rapp. We've talked about at length that we probably should have taken a lineman. And then taking Taylor Rapp where he took Daryl Henderson. But, hey, we're here. Both these guys seem promising. Taylor Rapp especially. Daryl Henderson, I, I think there's a lot there. But we'll see. He's going to get a shot. And then David Long and Bobby Evans also in the third. Greg Gaines in the fourth. David Edwards in the fifth. Uh, Nick Scott, Dakota Allen at the end of the draft. Oh, poor one out for Dakota. He should still be here. Uh <laughs> I mean, it's shaping up to be a pretty decent draft. We'll see if David Long's anything, but 
it seems like Bobby Evans at worst will be a usable rotation lineman. Seems like David Edwards in the fifth is going to be a really good pick. Uh, again, it's off of one year, so we'll see. But uh, Taylor Rapp, I don't know if he was the right pick at 61, but he's at least going to be a promising and good player for us, I think. Uh, same, same, literally the same thing for Daryl Henderson. I share the same sentiment. But the overall, I mean, and none of these guys like went out of the field last year, and we were like, why the fuck are these guys in the field? Most of them, they went on the field, and we're like, hey, there's something there. Yeah, the interesting thing is when you really look at this, there's really only one player that's no longer with the Rams. All these guys are there. Yeah, they all made and, the team. Uh, yeah, yeah, they made the team, and they're all contributing in one form of or another. Uh, Great Gaines, I think, um, is isn't going to really see much of the field next year because of the crowd. Yeah, but I'm hoping he will see a lot from uh, you know guys like. Uh, Brockers and Robinson and maybe learn and develop but ultimately you you can't complain about this draft at all yeah well hopefully David Long ends up being similar to Tyler Higby a late bloomer instead of being similar to Barrett Jones in a guy we all loved at the time that just did not pan out uh but we'll see I think he's gonna get a chance to play a little this year uh Michael Brockers I think it was Michael Brockers mentioned him as a guy that could fill in for Nickel Roby Coleman, uh, which seems which seems like a, a shot he might get if they're if they're still high on him. Uh, and and for Greg Gaines, it's crowded on the defensive line, but that's if you're on a roster on a crowded position, I think that's the best position to be at because, like, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like that's the position that rotates the most out of any position. Uh, running backs depending on the team, but usually it's the defensive front. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, especially for some of the run stuffers, not guys that can't be, you know, every down kind of players. You you want like a, a fully juiced uh, Greg Gaines out there uh, because that could be a scary contribution if he continues to develop. Yeah. And like, look at like just thinking about like the, the 2015 team, like we had or 2014, either, I think either one works. We had Robert Quinn, Chris Long, Aaron Donald, Michael Brockers in the starters, but then you had, like, Will Hayes, Eugene Sims, Ethan Westbrooks. All those guys were playing, uh, and that's, like, seven deep. So these positions rotate out a lot, uh, and yeah, it's crazy that Aaron Donald doesn't lead the defense in snaps, but he never does because this is just a position that it's bigger guys. They get tired. They're rushing a lot. They they, they rotate out, so... Not a bad place to be in. Uh, but look, man, going through that, it made me feel more good than bad about less need as a drafting, as a as, as a guy making picks. He's really only had, eh, I'd say two of these draft classes were bad out of all the ones we went through. Uh, the other one being 2013, which... Like some of those guys contributed briefly, but uh, not 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 ideal. I I would say that's a bad draft class. Yeah, and, and you know it's gonna happen. I I don't. There's not too many GMs out there that have had perfect draft classes. You know their entire career. So in a way, you got to give it up to Les Need for having so many great draft classes. Because at the end of the day, you know, that's where it starts off is kind of your farm system. So uh, kudos to to Les Need there. Yeah, and I mean, like, he made his worst pick as a GM in the same draft. He made his best pick. So things work out in weird ways. Um, We're going to have Kev Masaregin on the show next week. Johnny, he agreed. Uh, your fill-in host, but we're all going to be here to preview the draft uh, probably going out Wednesday, I would as- presume. But any any thoughts on the, the Brandon Cooks trade here? We got a second-round pick back for Brandon Cooks. Uh, I believe, did we did we give them a fourth as well? Yeah. 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 Initially it came out that uh, we also received a fourth, but that turned out not to be true. It was the other way around. Right. So 
I think, look, I think uh, this makes sense, honestly, for both teams. And, and let me explain the Texans side because I'm sure that's shaking a lot of heads. The problem is this is a bigger issue with the Texans because they traded DeAndre Hopkins and for David Johnson's second-round pick and then flicked the second-round pick for a worse receiver on a worse contract. Even after you extend Hopkins, it's a much worse contract. But, A, we're eating a shitload of this money, so it's not like they're getting Brandon Cooks at $16 million this year. I'd have to look, but I'm guessing it's it's like 8 if that. Uh, and, B, they're not rebuilding. Yeah, they should. Pro- there's really good receivers in this draft. They should probably drafted one instead. They uh, first of all, they shouldn't have traded DeAndre Hopkins, but they're not rebuilding. They have a young quarterback who needs weapons. You get Brandon Cooks at a discount. Yeah, you have to go with the second round pick, but he's a good player if he's healthy. And you're bet you're betting on his health. I'm sure they have his medicals. I'm sure they had to go through all that. He's. It's not like we're talking about some bum, you know. We we didn't trade them Mike Sims Walker for a second round pick. Uh, Brandon Cooks when he's healthy is good. And from that perspective, I get it for the Texans, but in the big vacuum of things, it has not been a good offseason for them. No, I mean, first of all, you don't trade DeAndre Hopkins. That I, I can't even emphasize that anymore. If you have DeAndre Hopkins on your team, even if he's pissed off at you, he could spit in your GM's face. Okay, he, he's not Antonio Brown. Um, he could... He could be upset with you, but you hold on to a guy like that. You make him happy because no matter what way you spin it, he is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, if not the best wide receiver. And you essentially traded him for David Johnson. And Brandon Cooks. You traded him for David Johnson and Brandon Cooks. Still... Still I mean, bad. Still bad. But I, I will say this. They did salvage a little bit by getting Brandon Cooks. It's not as though Brandon Cooks isn't a stud. I think what a lot of people are kind of missing here is a lot of people are seeing Brandon Cooks having that terrible season last year. And I chalk that up more to his injuries as well as the offense as an, as a whole, just kind of falling. You know, this wasn't the same offense that the Rams had in 2018. That much is abundantly clear. And evidence of that was seeing how little shots down the field are. Well, if you see what kind of player Brandon Cooks is, that's when he gets a lot of his yards. That's when he gets a lot of his plays done. And if you're not throwing downfield, he's kind of useless. And that's kind of why he, he's ultimately traded. It, it wasn't so much just the money. It was the fact that I don't think the Rams can use him anymore. And for sure, the Texans have that type of offense, especially with um, you know the, the type of offense they have. I think he'll fit in perfectly fine. So um, while he's no DeAndre Hopkins by any means, he's certainly better than people are giving him credit for. Yeah, I agree. But I, I think it was like 80% the money is why they traded. And there, we will see, like, given that this is such a loaded draft at receiver and we just got a second second round pick, it, depending on what they do, we'll get an answer to whether you're right or wrong about why know why they're trading Brandon Cooks they really might be moving more to the 12 personnel two tight end sets they there was even talk of a fullback uh maybe they bring what what's his name Sam Rogers oh uh, gosh maybe they, maybe they bring Sam Rogers back uh maybe they hire Brian Leonard as the fullbacks coach uh it's it's <laughs> interesting uh and yeah I like I say he's become underrated because he's on this gross contract and he has a concussion history both major, easily the two primary factors why he got traded to me, and I think your your thing could definitely be part of it. But even if it's part of it, I think it's still the third biggest factor because they like Brandon Cooks and he does have value, uh, even if he's not being, even if he's not, we're not going deep as much. But yeah, he's not a bum. 
He's a, he when he's out there and he's healthy, he's a pretty good player. And if he's healthy, if he plays all sixteen games next year, which isn't if, it, it'll probably be a decent trade for the Texans. I I I think it's a win win. But like we just, like we talked about, you, you shouldn't have traded DeAndre Hopkins at all. You could have went out and signed Melvin Gordon for like eight or nine million if you needed a running back and kept DeAndre Hopkins. You could have tried to trade for Todd Gurley and kept DeAndre Hopkins. You could have tried to sign Todd Gurley and kept DeAndre Hopkins. There's so many ways this could have played out where you keep DeAndre Hopkins, and I don't know why they didn't want to pay him. Uh, I do not get it. This is exactly how you piss off your quarterback, and it's not It's not like we got Odell Beckham here, dude. Like This is one of the – from we don't know what happened in the locker room, but seemingly one of the most low-maintenance wide receivers in the league. He played – with some of the worst quarterbacks that have played in the NFL in the last couple of years and still did fine outside of his Brock Osweiler year. And even that year, he didn't make a fuss about it. I do not understand why you would ever trade this guy. I think if you ranked, if you were building your dream team and you were picking wide receivers, he's probably going number one. Without a question. Without a question. You made some very strong points there. And uh, hopefully, for their sake, that uh, Brandon Cook stays healthy because otherwise, this this is going to be all around bad publicity for the Houston Texans. Uh, so eight million is a cap number for Brandon Cooks this year for the Texans. I don't know how. Look, well, looking at his contract. If over the cap is right, his cap number for the next three years will be twelve million, then thirteen million, then fourteen million, but all the dead money's taken. So if he plays like he did in twenty eighteen this year, they'll probably just keep him at twelve million because he he is a valuable player still, uh, as much as we've forgotten. Uh, but we'll see. And it, look, his injury history is concerning, but it's not like Todd Gurley where it's a deteriorating knee. It's it's frightening in that. He takes a hit the wrong way, his career might be over, but when he's out there playing, it's not it's not gonna it shouldn't affect his performance unless he's playing a more reserved style, but it's not like Brandon Cooks was out there trucking people before he got concussions. Alright. Well, we'll get some draft takes next week. Johnny, get him ready, but uh, we went pretty long, so I think we can wrap it up. You got any final final thoughts here? Just looking forward to the draft, man. Like I said, about the only thing to look forward to <laughs> during this uh, quarantine. Looking forward to the draft. Uh, I this is I think this is my month anniversary of of being quarantined, so that's great. I uh, can't wait to see people. Uh, but, hey. Hey, yeah, if you're staying home, keep staying home. It'll it'll all be better for us in the long run. But we'll be back next week. Follow me on Twitter at C Ribeiro. Follow Johnny at Johnny596. Hit us on Twitter. Any questions you want to answer on next week's next week pod about the draft. Uh, and follow Talk Rams, and we'll talk to you then. I don't really think I'm an idiot most of the time. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. DC police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department.